Hello and welcome to RN First Bite. I'm Anita Barrow. The price war between the two big supermarkets, Coles and Woolworths, has been raging for some time. They've been in the spotlight since the competition watchdog, the ACCC, began investigating potential breaches of competition laws, including unconscionable conduct and misuse of market power. This after years of allegations from some suppliers that they are exploited by large supermarkets or paid unsustainably low prices. And there's a new weapon in the supermarket arsenal, the once stigmatised, buried in the bottom of your basket, house brand. Hi, did you know that Australia's favourite home brand is Home Brand? It's a house brand, home brand, private label, many names for the same thing. Perhaps like me, you've noticed their climb up the display from the bottom shelf, where they were wrapped in their obvious but plain homogenous red or blue and white packaging, to eye level, now hard to miss and with more sophisticated wrapping. Welcome. Some of these home brands, in fact, are selling now for more than a name brand product. So it really is changing the whole market around entirely. And the rise of them is not just seen through the market itself, but also through how it's changing the entire food industry from the point of manufacture all the way to consumption. If you have a flybys card... There is nothing inherent about tomato sauce bottles that makes them in a particular shape. Why did they choose the identical shape, the identical height, the same nozzle? That's what makes me kind of go, you guys are skating pretty close to the edge here. But what they're doing now is making it very, very hard to differentiate in your knowledge of taste between products. So that way you will prefer the home brand because you think, hey, this tastes the same as the other one. Why am I paying so much more for it? I might as well just get the home brand one. Use pen pad to complete transaction. And what our members tell us is that they get frustrated when they turn up to the supermarket and some of their favourite brands have been phased out. Thank you for shopping at Coles. The house brand is competing with the established brands on both price and quality. And at a glance, often it's hard to tell the difference. So what does the rise of the house brand mean to us, the consumer? Do they signal the beginning of the end of choice or give us more choice, saving money in the process? Tom Godfrey is the spokesperson from Choice, the consumer watchdog. We know that house brand products, when we looked at this, were one in four of the products on our supermarket shelves. It was anticipated that this would continue to increase to one in three by 2016. And globally, this is a trend that we're seeing in the EU. Home brand products are now about 50% of the products on the shelf. So clearly there is a trend in that direction. So what is behind this push for more and a greater range of house brand products? Andrew Hughes is marketing lecturer in the Research School of Management at the ANU. It's about money because you can keep your manufacturing costs down, you can keep your promotional costs down, you're paying less money to a supplier or to an intermediary, you can have it made in-house as it were. And it also then gives you a lot more power in the supply chain because the more of this you sell, the more of it you make, and the more of it you make, the lower your costs become. I mean, it's economies of scale. So you can effectively become a very, very powerful player in the supply chain because now you control most of the chain from the point of manufacture to the way the consumer buys the product. So it's a lot of power to have in one industry. Also, the big two use house brands to differentiate themselves from their competitors, inspiring loyalty and therefore more sales. Tom Godfrey. These house brand products are being developed 
largely with information that's provided by branded products on the shelves. So the supermarkets are in a unique position in that they're looking at the marketing plans, they can see the margins, and obviously they're looking at the design and the types of things that are resonating with consumers. And then on the back of that, they're developing products essentially to drive their own profits. So it's quite a curious situation. Now, from a consumer perspective, it hasn't all been bad because we've seen, particularly when it comes to milk and bread, that prices have come down on those two staples. So, you know, that's quite an encouraging thing. But I think for industry, particularly those that are pushing branded products, it can often be quite challenging. What is the strategy, do you think, behind this increase in house brand products? There's no doubt that these house brand products are modelled to a large extent on successful branded products in the marketplace. So everyone's seen examples of copycat packaging where you go there and you think that you're buying the branded product that you've, you've trusted and loved for many years. In actual fact, it's a house brand product that's been modelled on that existing successful product. So clearly the big supermarkets in a bid to drive profitability of their own product lines are introducing these house brand products that are largely designed to confuse consumers into thinking that you're buying a branded product. Now we've seen widespread examples of that and it's their clear intent because obviously if they own the brand, they own that product in the space, then clearly they're going to make a great deal more money. So can you give me some examples then? Well, I think what's really interesting, if you think about that Coles and Woolworths at the moment control about 70% of the supermarket shelf space. This is in dried groceries. And as consumers, we're spending about a billion dollars a week with them. So it's a phenomenal amount of money. So at the margin, as they try to increase that market share, these house brand products become critical as part of their strategy to try to get us to spend more money with them. But literally, you could look across the categories. So whether it was biscuits, cereals, milk, you just look across those categories and you will see products that look very, very similar to the ones that you've bought for years and years, whether that be from Nestle or Arnott's or any of the other major food companies. And increasingly, Coles and Woolies and Aldi to a, an extent as well are bringing in these products designed to convince you that they're very similar to the product that you've been buying for many, many years. Dr Alexandra Merritt is an independent competition lawyer who's also been a senior enforcement lawyer for the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. I meet up with her at a busy inner city supermarket and we start in the biscuit aisle. This is an interesting one. Some um, caramel deluxe chocolate covered biscuits and right. right beside some caramel crowns which are produced by Arnott's. We've also got Tim Tams beside, and if you were not paying a lot of attention, to my mind, the Caramel Deluxe and the Honeycomb Whirls look like just slight variations on a Tim Tam packet, and given how many different Tim Tams we seem to be getting these days, you go, oh, they've just come up with a Honeycomb mm-hmm. range. They're both brown and yellow. Yeah, so um, it's also just the size and the shape is very mm-hmm. similar to what you would expect. It would be very easy to pick that up in error, and you go... Well, if the customer picks it up and takes it home, there's a huge price differential. One's $3.25, one's $2. Customer buys a cheaper product, takes it home, tastes it, and they will decide. So that's all very well and good. But what we actually want is we want our brand leaders to be free to innovate 
and to produce new products to suit our taste buds. That's great. And they're not going to do that if they constantly lose sales because the packaging is so similar that people come along and just get the cheaper one and go, actually, you know, that was okay. My guests didn't notice it wasn't a real mint slice. So would you say that these mint supremes, as as opposed to the mint slice, would contravene intellectual property? Look, they're actually not as similar as some examples I have seen. For trademark law, the test is confusion. So if you just do enough to confuse people about the origin of the product, that's enough to breach a trademark. But if that were the case, if Armit's came along here and thought, you know, this packaging is so confusing, I think our trademark has been breached, it would be an interesting strategy of theirs to then go and take to court one of their major retailers. Has that happened? (laughs) Not very often. Can you just describe any cases? Well, we see a lot of cases where a competitor takes a rival to court. So, you know, Maltesers took a rival producer to court for the production of malt balls. But it's actually very unusual to see a supplier take its main conduit to the market to court and we don't see that. So what's the fine line between say passing off, copycatting infringing intellectual property rights and imitations you know, Well, inspiration The issue is whether consumers are misled whether they're actually picking up one packet thinking it's X product but actually getting home and realising that it's something else I understand Sainsbury had, for a while, 70% of its um, brands were house brands, and then they discovered shoppers were leaving in droves, so they toned it down a lot. If you go into any European supermarket, though, home brand products are much more prominent. It's pretty common to see a shelf that might have one or two brands, one or two home brand, but over there they have many different supermarket chains. So if we have that here... But we have a Where we have duopoly. 70 to 80% of groceries sold through two majors, mm. you can see that that means there might be ultimately four producers of a particular range of products as opposed to in England where there might be 10 or 12. We have some tomato sauce here. So we have Coles brand. What's interesting about this sort of packaging is, um, okay, we have a label with a tomato. That's not a great surprise. We have a very red bottle. Again, that's not necessarily surprising, but... We have bottles that are almost exactly the same shape and you go, there is nothing inherent about tomato sauce bottles that makes them in a particular shape. And I guess it's that sort of, that next step that we sometimes see with packaging. Why did they choose the identical shape, the identical height, the same nozzle? That's what makes me kind of go, you guys are skating pretty close to the edge here. Now you you think this goes beyond intellectual property really, it's about competition. Well, what we were seeing over the last few years is Coles and Woolworths really stacking their shelves with their own products and their suppliers' products, and that's quite a different scenario. So if you kind of, you know, you just look at a shelf and you see two products side by side, that's kind of a private dispute that they will resolve privately. But when we've seen, you know, I think private label sales in Australia are now hitting to around 20%. So you go, well, if we have... 100 instances of copycat packaging through this supermarket then that's much more than a private dispute that's happening at multiple levels and then you kind of go well what's happening in this broader picture is competition um, may ultimately be affected ultimately what I am concerned about is a real contraction of choice in that 
supplier numbers will inevitably reduce, but also those suppliers who continue to get their goods on the shelves will inherently be more conservative with their products. They'll have less incentive to experiment with what they do because what they're concerned about is you come up with a fabulous new Tim Tam and two months later that Tim Tam is being sold as a private label product a dollar cheaper. Competition lawyer Dr Alexandra Merritt. On RN First Bite, I'm Anita Barrow, looking at the rise of the house brand on our supermarket shelves and what it means for us, the consumer, and the Australian food industry. While each of the major players in the Australian supermarket scene have their own house brand, German chain Aldi has taken it to a whole new level. 95% of its stock on their shelves are house brands, but you wouldn't know it because they've created what the trade calls fantasy brands. Belmont Biscuit Company, Golden Vale Cereal, Baker's Life Bread, products that look just like branded products. There's no obvious Aldi logo, but if you read the small writing on the back, it tells you it's manufactured for Aldi. This has been Aldi's model from the get-go. It's obviously working for them, with shoppers increasingly shopping on price. So Michael told me he just wants to be friends. Man, nothing like ham. Ham? Always there for you when you need it. Like this four-pack I got from Aldi for just $5. What? How is ham supposed to win Michael back? It's sliced ham, Sally. Not a couples counsellor. Where is your head at today? Aldi. Prices you'll love talking about. (laughs) A perplexing ad, but it seems to be working. Although they only control 10% of the market compared to Coles' 33% and Woolworths' 39%, they're opening stores around the country faster than you can get through a bowl of Golden Vale cereal. It's estimated the number of East Coast stores will double to 600 by 2020. By comparison, only 6% of Woolworths and 20% of Coles' products on the shelf are house brand. And what is interesting is the way the two supermarkets are choosing to compete with branded products on all levels by introducing a tiered system. This means they take a product like cheese and offer a budget version, a mid-price version and a top-of-the-range specialty version, which in some cases is actually more expensive than its competitor. The Australian Food and Grocery Council, which represents the packaged food, drink and grocery products manufacturers, say their members are hurting. The major supermarkets argue that this competition is good for us, the consumer, as it gives us more, not less choice. Woolworths was not available for interview. Coles, however, did agree to talk. Kendra Banks is the general manager of Coles Brands and Customer Insights. Over time, private labels changed quite a lot. So actually, our first Coles brand product was in 1929. We launched the Embassy brand. Our first line to bear the label was actually Gramophone Records. Um, Obviously, we've changed our range quite significantly since then. But private labels always been core to the Coles business for decades, really. Coles argues that it's not just saving money that makes house brand products good for its customers customer choice is absolutely vital for us and through private label we just aim to expand the choice on our shelves. So whether that's choice in terms of value and different prices that we can offer products at, uh, different specifications, different flavours or new innovation that we haven't seen from the rest of the market. Now some critics would argue that house brands are 
cheaper because they don't actually require that innovation because they're, they're essentially based on other branded products. I think we have a number of examples to the contrary there. So a lot of our Coles brand products are winning industry awards, which suggests that actually they are some of the more innovative products in the market. Uh, I'd like to read a comment from an online forum. A long time ago, I worked for a well-known juice company. We made home brand Coles juices. All the ingredients were from the same suppliers. However, the recipes were slightly different, different acidity level, sugar, etc. We also bottled water in our brand and generic water. It was exactly the same stuff in both. Is it in many cases that the same product out of the same factory, but just different packaging? No, well, I certainly can't speak to, to that example, but we would never put out a product that's exactly the same as something else. We'd want it to be different for customers, either because it's more affordable, because it's a different flavour, or because it meets a different customer need. Sometimes you, you will see house brand products looking very similar to branded products. Well, actually, at Coles, we're, we want our Coles brand packaging to stand out, not look similar, so, so I don't agree with that. An example is our Simply Gluten-Free range, where we had really good feedback from customers saying they really struggled to find gluten-free product on the shelf. So we set out to create a brand that was really bold, that really stood out. And our Coles Simply Gluten-Free is bright yellow. You can't, absolutely can't miss it in the health food aisles. Although, you know, it is the same colours as the um, San Remo range of gluten-free products. The packaging is quite different. I think it does stand out. I and mean, we haven't always gotten it right in the past. So there are some products that do look a bit too similar to their branded. But, you know, our effort going forward is certainly to make sure that, that that's not the case. Supermarkets argue that by creating these house brands, they're actually guaranteeing a market for local food manufacturers. Andrew Hughes, marketing lecturer in the Research School of Management at ANU. They do have a ready-made market in Australia through the two major retailers. But the thing is... It's not really a ready-made market of profitability and the Australian Food and Grocery Council only two weeks ago released a report highlighting the fact that the two major retailers' profits going up and up and up and yet the manufacturers of products in Australia are, are going backwards. They're actually having an issue of deflation with their profits so it's going backwards all the time. It's stagnated. It's not really a case of this is beneficial to these local suppliers. It, it's a matter of they have nowhere else to go and no one else to turn to and they have no choice, which makes it very hard for them to think about long-term viability and sustainability with their industry. In that same report, the AFGC report, it says that in 2003 the number of branded products deleted, that is taken off the shelves, was the highest over the past four years and the number of house brands deleted was the lowest. The rise of the house brands is just becoming across all product categories. It's not just in like we think it is where it's milk or bread. It's now in nearly every product category we can think of. But the thing is they're not just on the shelf. They're taking up a lot more shelf space as well because... That means it makes it very, very hard for a small manufacturer or a small supplier to have their products put on the shelf because there isn't enough space anymore. These products are now taking up that space, and that space means life and blood to a supplier or manufacturer of a product because without that, they don't exist. Andrew Hughes, late last year, both Coles and Woolworths signed the Food and Grocery Code of Conduct. Now, this code prevents retailers copycatting branded products, makes it an even playing field, if you like, in relation to shelf uh, space and placement. It's a voluntary code. Will it make a difference? No, because the code itself is voluntary, number one, so it's not compulsory for everyone to be a member. And secondly, the breaches, while they're linked to the Competition and Consumer Act itself, 
they need to be more significant in size and power on the two major retailers to have really any big impact because it's also voluntary then to follow it. Unless there's a legal consequence, you're not really be too worried about what you do in terms of breach. But also there's workarounds to it. I mean, most of the issues talked about by suppliers with to the two major retailers of being concerned are not covered by the code either. So things like having to pay the two major retailers trade rebates so their products can be promoted in a weekly catalogue is not covered at all in the code of practice. So then what happens? What will happen for our food manufacturers and food suppliers? Are they going to have to go offshore to get cheaper products in order to compete with the the two main supermarkets? Absolutely. Offshoring is just going to be a trend which will continue and, and keep on rising because you have to pay people money. You have to be viable in the long term and reinvest as well in the business. You just can't keep on using the same machine year after year after year. You have to invest in new production techniques and, and manufacturing. So they have no choice but to go offshore, which will mean, of course, job losses here locally. So where do these house brand packaged goods come from? Coles and Woolworths signed an agreement with the processor Simplot to supply all their house brand frozen vegetables. Coles and Woolworths made a similar deal with Victorian tin fruit supplier SBC Admona, a move touted to save the struggling cannery from closure. But many of its budget items are sourced from overseas. I picked up house brand tinned pineapple from Thailand in Coles and tinned salmon from the USA in Woolworths. And many products in both private brands and house brands are the vaguely labelled made from local and imported ingredients. Kendra Banks acknowledges the origin of some Coles house brand products aren't completely clear. Again, this is something we haven't always gotten right in the past. We are aiming to be very, very transparent on our labelling going forward. So, for example, not using the phrase local and imported ingredients, but trying to specify exactly what that means. So, for example, in a yogurt, is the milk Australian and the fruit Australian or, you know, which of those ingredients could be imported? There has been some claims and even the Australian Food and Grocery Council has warned that manufacturers of the house brand products may have their margins squeezed so much that many of them will bow out and manufacturing will end up going overseas. What's your response? Uh, Well, I'm not sure that I can answer that question. What I would say is we're aiming to offer customers the best choice that we can and we, we work with our suppliers in partnership to deliver that. The Australian Food and Grocery Council estimates that by 2020, house brands across all supermarkets this is could reach up to 50% of total supermarket sales. This is based on what's happening in the UK in particular. Would you agree with that estimate? Uh, Well, I, I certainly can't speak for the other supermarket. I can speak for what we're doing at Coles. And I would say, I used to work in the UK market actually, is quite different to the Australian market. So I do think we'll see different trends here. What I can say is we'll certainly be continuing to work with our suppliers to create innovative new products that are high quality and affordable and we'll just have to see where that takes us. Well, how far do you think it can go? When I look on a supermarket shelf, say, in 10 years' time, will I just see, you know, say, one or two branded offerings across the categories and the rest house brands? No, I don't think so because customers will always want choice and they'll always want to buy their favourite brands. So I do believe that you'll still see quite a lot of choice on supermarket shelves. So, will there... Tom Godfrey, spokesperson from Choice. It's a delicate thing in the sense that, you know, on the one hand we're getting more cost-effective grocery prices, but on the other, 
If you take a long-term view and you're a consumer that's passionate about brands, we're seeing a decline in choice. So while in the short term, it's great because you're getting more affordable products and services, if you take a medium to long-term view, well then clearly there's going to be an impact on choice. And I think that's worrying in one sense because once they control a market, who's to say that they won't put prices up on the back of that? So if that choice is going to be taken away, it'll be quite a subtle difference over time that you might pick up on it one year, there's one less product on the shelf, and then two years later, there's less we can choose from. And that's how you'll start to notice it. But it'll, it'll be too late. Have you got any examples? H.J. Hines, who make, of course, a lot of baked beans and um, all famous for their baked beans brand, but a whole range of other products. And they said that they're no longer going to invest that heavily in the Australian marketplace because of the rise of the home brands. They just can't compete against them because of their market power. But also the price and cost of manufacturing these products is so low because they're not putting a lot of effort into the quality of the product and how it's made that they can cut corners, which most of us are prepared to compromise on. That experience in consumption, if we can't notice a difference between one brand and the other, we'll always choose on price. We will. And this is the thing where they're now working on it. It's a very subtle point of marketing is what we call experiential marketing or experience marketing, which is where you experience something and then you remember it and put it into your memory. So you get used to that over time. And you can probably remember lots of things where you first enjoyed them as a child and now you still have them as an adult. It's the same thing happening here, but what they're doing now is making it very, very hard to differentiate in your knowledge of taste between products. So that way you will prefer the home brand because you think, hey, this tastes the same as the other one. Why am I paying so much more for it? I might as well just get the home brand one. And all of a sudden, you are. That gives you a lot more power as well in the marketplace if you're one of the two major retailers because then you have not just the power over the supply chain but also now power of the consumer's knowledge. That is really powerful. Andrew Hughes, and what do you think about the house brand? I'd love to hear your shopping experiences. Do you have concerns about choice in the supermarket? Are you shopping for quality, price or source? And where does the rise of local farmers markets and so on fit into this story too? You can leave a comment on our website abc.net.au slash rn or our Facebook page RN First Bite. And for more on consumer habits as well as advice on how we can buy better, RN's Life Matters program is presenting a new series every Tuesday at 9.30. Talking Shop, presented by Kirsten Drysdale, digs deep into marketing spin and consumer psychology. And if you'd like to hear more on house brands and what other consumers think, Life Matters did a talkback on this very subject. There's a link to that discussion on our program page. In our next program, I massage a salmon. Got a tight grip? Yep. Okay, perfect. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it just comes out. Yeah. And next week is my last here on the show. Yes, Michael McKenzie will soon be back. Thanks to program producer Maria Tickle and technical producer Gary Havrillay. I'm Anita Barrow. Hello, Fenella from By Design. Next on the program, how good design can change education outcomes. Teachers and students learning together from each other and with each other is very apparent in every space in our school. Also, we take a sip from an iconic glass for a very specific cocktail and visit a house at Hanging Rock, the winner of the best new house in the Australian Institute of Architects Victoria Awards. That's By Design online whenever you like it at RN's website.